Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Coco and Breezy, founders of their namesake eyewear brand. They're also DJs, producers, influencers, the list goes on. I wanted to ask the twins about 2020's impact on their 11-year-old company and the results of how they've embraced new opportunities like their appearance on Facebook's new show, Hashtag Buy Black Friday. Welcome, Coco. Hello there. How are you? I'm great. And hi, Breezy. Welcome. Hi. I'm so happy to be here. Happy to have you. So we are heading into the holiday season here. I mean, what does holiday look like for eyewear? Is this is Q4 big sales time for you guys? Holiday is actually a really big sales time for us. Um, 2020 has been great for us as well. You know, I think it's important to know that it is a tough time at the moment. And so we really don't want to talk too much about like the big sales. It's more about what we've been doing to help give back. And I know yes. that we'll talk more about that later on because we did a really yeah. cool partnership with Zenny. So I would, I'd rather like talk more about how the big sales are helping a really beautiful community. Oh, that would be great. Was part of the big sales, did it have to do, I would just assume because I'm on, my screen time is probably at a record high. Um, and I've been thinking about the the blue light protection and all of that. Is Is that part of it? It definitely is. People are at home, they're in front of their computers. And not, I think more than ever now, people are really realizing the importance of their eye health. Yes, for sure. Totally. Well, before we jump in, talk to me. Um, how are you splitting your time? Because the first time that I, I guess, saw you guys in IRL, um, you were DJing at a, a launch party for, for a, another brand, uh, a fashion brand. Um, how are you splitting your time these days? Um, the way that we split our time is that we have a really awesome team we have multiple teams for each category so we have a separate team for our music um for our partnerships we have a whole nother team and for our eyewear we have a whole nother team and we're able to merge everyone together and so i think the bigger picture is that we're creating something that it all has the same end goal but it's just different mediums so we have to like heal people's souls with music help your eyes with glasses and use our voices on our platforms. Right on. They do it all. <laughs> Let's start where you guys were excited to dig in. Um, t- some of the um, good work you guys have been doing this this year and maybe some of the opportunities that you saw. What's been happening there? Sure. So as you guys know, we're in a civil rights movement right now. For me, that has been more heightened than, um, of course, we're in, a, we're in quarantine, but this is an issue that Coco and I have been super vocal about, and I'm really happy that we can even have these conversations right now. And something that we had to pivot on was a collaboration that we started almost a year ago with Zinni, where we were in in talks with them for almost a a year. And a few months before launch, we did a, a big pivot because Coco and I are very intentional with the products and just anything that we put out to the world. We want to make sure that it's one, making some type of change, two, that people can actually like have an emotional connection to it and that it's important. Yeah. And since it is catered to kids, it was very important for us to be intentional. So what I'm most excited about is that the positive message that's behind the product, all the glasses are named with affirmations. You have like, I am brave, I am powerful. And also we partnered up with Child Mind Institute. 
And so that's yep. the good work that we're really stoked about because with all the sales, uh, a portion of our proceeds from the sales, they go to the Healthy Brain Network and it helps give better um, access for mental health resources to the Black community. And so that's mm-hmm. the part that we're super stoked about. But 2020 has been a really, a really um, challenging year, but a great year because we've been able to use our platform more than ever. And we've been able to partner up with people like Zenny and other companies to use their platforms to share our voice and make change. Yeah, that's awesome. So it's a line. The line with Zenny is uh, kids glasses, Planet CB. Yeah. Um, did I get it right? Yes. And that is that going to be an ongoing collaboration? And do you guys do uh, you haven't done children's eyewear before? Is that correct? We haven't done children's eyewear. Something else that you're probably gonna laugh, but um, out of the many things that we do, we're also on a kids TV show. And the kids TV oh, show stop. is called Wonderama. It's on, lo- it plays on local television stations. And Breezy and I have always had, we've always had a piece of our heart that always wanted to do something for kids because we were those kids that were really creative. But when we were younger, we were stylish and creative. We didn't see brands that spoke to us. Brands yeah. weren't speaking to us. They weren't, you know, they didn't show people like us in campaigns. And so, yeah, I mean, this collaboration is doing really well and we hope for it to be ongoing and not just a one-off because I think it's making a really big shift. Yes. Let's talk about this year. Like you said, we're in the middle of a movement. I'm seeing your your names on um, the lists that are out there of um, Black female founders, Black designers to know. What are you, how would you describe, I guess, the newfound attention maybe compared to what you've experienced up to this year? Yeah, so with the newfound attention, um, it's really awesome that people are supporting Black-owned businesses and giving them the light that they deserve. But I hope yeah. that people do understand that it shouldn't be a trend and it should just be an ongoing yep. thing. We have, Coco and I actually have uh, something an, an initiative that we put together during quarantine with American Express and with Showfields, where we partnered with okay. them for six months. In three months each, we chose 10 Black-owned brands to be able to showcase their products in a pop-up shop, and they get to keep 100% of their profits. And for me, that's what supporting Black-owned businesses are, is like not just taking from them, but actually giving a platform for them to take 100% of their profits. And what inspired that is that we wanted to say that when you buy, we're changing the perspective of buying a Black-owned company's People need to change their buying habits because growing up, right, we as Black women, Afro-Latina women, we would have to buy hair products. But in the photos, a blonde hair, blue eyes woman, you know, but we still we we could still see ourselves in there. But on the flip side, a lot of times that blonde hair and blue eye woman, when they see a Black woman, they don't feel like it's for them. And so our biggest thing and our biggest communication that we want the world to know is that just because it's black owned and we're telling our black stories is not only for black people. Learn how to shop a good product the same way that we've had to do for years. Absolutely. Gosh, you launched your brand in uh, 2009. Were there uh, obstacles in fundraising? We hear these crazy stats about, um, yes, the minimal <laughs> money that is going to black female founders in particular. Uh, talk, talk to me about that experience. Yes. So to date, we have not taken any capital up until recently. 
Um, you know, it was actually challenging for us. We first started with nothing, like less than a thousand dollars. We didn't go to college. We had never been in like a professional business setting. And we really, we say that we have our master's degree in trial and error because (laughs) we definitely, we're going to write a book one day about how to really fully go through trial and error. We had one, um, one point in our lives where we were going to go out and raise capital. And it was probably one of the most challenging moments for us because, you know, we weren't meeting the right investors and people didn't understand us. And I'll never forget, we went into this one meeting when we were about, this is probably in 2012. And during this time, you know, the way we dressed was, we were super punk. I'm talking about black lipstick, (laughs) blue hair. And I think I always tell people, your outside can look one way, but we can have the same intellectual conversation. And so we used to walk into spaces and people prejudged us without speaking to us. And I got to a point in the last two years where we feel confident. I feel like, can I, can I cuss or no? Yeah. I feel like, I feel like our, <laughs> brand, yeah. our brand is the shit. And so, <laughs> and so I walk into the rooms now, if we go into an investor meeting, I walk in there and I'm like, we're the shit. And like, that's how I'm going to walk into the space now. Cause I used to let everything, like all the stuff that we've been going through as like, you know, black women in those spaces, it used to deteriorate me. But now if I try, if I change my mental like space, it shifts, but Good enough. Um, we actually just got accepted to TXO, which is Andreessen Horowitz. Um, it's a business accelerator. So we were one of seven companies that are part of this first accelerator. And I think about oh, almost 1,200. Uh, yeah, almost like 1,200 companies applied. So we're in the Amazing. accelerator now. It's a 10-month accelerator. We got a small investment. And it's been the best experience. And we're so grateful and excited to be part of this. Because their big thing is all about culture. And I think again in yeah. Silicon Valley and a lot of investors, they don't they don't emphasize or they don't respect a brand that is culturally driven, but in reality, culture is so important right now when you have a company. And as you can yeah. tell, you see brands, they're using influencers, music artists, and people, which is culture, in order to like grow their sales. But we do that automatically without <laughs> just being us. <laughs> Talk to me about this accelerator. What's all involved and what what do you expect what the outcome to be? Yeah, so we're kind of in school right now. We're low-key in business school, which has been exciting. Um, I heard that the acceptance rate for TXO is harder than the acceptance rate to get into Stanford. Yes. And we got oh my in. God. Yes. Woo! And so um <laughs> Which is, I think after going through this business accelerator with Andreessen Horowitz for TXO, I think that like, you can't tell me anything now. It's, it's definitely a confidence <laughs> builder and we're learning so much. They're providing some of the top mentors in the industry as well. We have one-on-ones nice. with Ben Horowitz himself. Yep. We've had nice. um, every Tuesday and Friday, Tuesday, we have a, a whole meetup with all the other cohorts. And then Fridays we have one-on-ones with experts and mentors. Yep. And then we also have homework as well. And the homework is pretty much to even help us dive deeper into our companies to scale and to be able to nice. understand how to run a company once we have like over 100 employees. Yep. How many employees do you have? Our t- right now we're about a team of seven. Oh my gosh. So we're still small. pretty small, but we get things done. <laughs> yes. What were the questions they had for you? It's so competitive to get... To get in, um, yeah, what do they want to know? So the cool part about this one, and again, I was so traumatized by 
having so many sit downs with investors and VCs in Silicon Valley that when we were speaking to them, they really, really appreciate the culture of the brand. They really 100% they want their whole goal is to find the top companies that are the most culturally relevant in our generation. And so they pretty much ask questions. They like honored the fact that we had some of the most top celebrities that were in our product. They honored the fact that we really, it's important for us to have black and brown models, which I've been in other investment um, sit downs and they're like, why is that important? You know? So it's like Hello? all these things that we were so traumatized. It was, we were at ease and I'm just like, it was second nature for us to answer these questions. But then again, I was again, so traumatized from not being appreciated from other VCs in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Did you want to shake them and say, Beyonce, people? (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Um, But yeah, talk to me about being the, I guess, are you your brand's influencers? Are you, yeah, the face? It's important to be the face of the brand, yes? So It's named after you. (laughs) You know what's funny? When we first started, we were super the faces of the brand. Like our faces were on the website and we couldn't sell product without us being in front of it. But then we said, you know what, what sort of company does Coco and Breezy want to be? We want to be a company that creates designer glasses that are super accessible and everyone feels, it feels super relatable. So we stepped yeah. back, we reshifted the way that we were designing our products. We have a rule that's the 70-30 rule. 70% of our glasses are design savvy, but like everybody can wear them, even if they're not super into fashion. And then the 30% are the really cool design pieces that, you know, th- those are the talk abouts. And so what's very interesting is that I would say that we are the influencers of the brand, but it's only the message that goes into the company now. And the reason why I say that is because our company and our our brand and our product has expanded so much where in the past, you would look at us and assume that like only people that have nose rings and cool hair wear our glasses. That's not the case. The case is it's a personality. Everyone looks different. But it's that person that wants to step into a room and have a statement piece, but they necessarily may not, you know, be into fashion, but they want to wear a statement piece of eyewear. And I think that's the fun part because literally our customers range from, you know, people like us who hang out in New York that are like the cool kids to our friend Sally who lives in Connecticut and she's 60 in her 60s. And, you know, she's an older lady beautiful and our glasses make her feel confident when she steps into a room. Nice. So communicating that these are for everyone and not just ultra fashiony people. <laughs> um, does that mean working with a, an array of influencers? How do you get that message across? Yeah. So fortunately, we do have a lot of friends that are influencers and celebrities and they just naturally, um, they naturally support the brand. And everyone ranges from like just different backgrounds and it could be music to tech to just so many different worlds. And I think the beauty of Coco and Breezy Eyewear is that we, we bring communities together. We bring people from different backgrounds and stories. And again, that's that one piece of feeling like you may not have a community. It's not about how you look. It's about those folks that always felt like they were an other, whether it's Like even from, again, the things that we promote as a company when we're supporting Black-owned, when we're supporting LGBTQ, when we're supporting disabilities, that all comes from the inside of our personal stories. And so I always tell people that like a lot of these big companies, 
they want to support that, but what does their team look like? And for us, our team, we've had everybody from those categories on top of like our dad being a double amputee. So that's why we've had a model that was an amputee because that's actually true to who we are. And so I think that it's so important. Our customers see that again, it's from the inside to the outside and our customers actually feel like, oh, cool. I can see myself here or I can like feel that story. They're speaking to me. And also, I think that it's important for us. We like to show things that aren't the norms. So even when we were shooting our kids eyewear collaboration with Zenny, Planet CB, we made sure that we showed all styles on the boys and the girls because we didn't want to say, just because it's framed, it has a mirror on it and it has a little bit bit of iridescent. We didn't want to say that was only for girls. Who says that it's only for girls? So we put it on a boy to show that like, if you want to wear a mirrored iridescent frame, you can wear that. And that's what's important to us. Nice. Were your styles all genderless back or unisex in uh, 2009? That's so forward thinking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And people did not understand us. In the eyewear industry, they did not get it at all. Oh, my gosh. Because talk to me about the the space. It's very much we've had stories, I guess, last year about the dominance of Luxottica. And yeah, also, I mean, we... You guys came to market before the Warby Parkers in the world of the world. What, what what have you seen? What's been the evolution in the competition, I guess? Um, I think the evolution in the competition, there's definitely more D2C companies coming out. And I think the fun things that are happening right now, there are really dope collaborations. But again, something rare that you don't see in the eyewear industry are two eyewear companies coming together. Because I do think as big as the eyewear market is, it's kind of small in regards to like, like the consumer base is really big, but um, in regards to brands, like the <laughs> I'm shy, so I'm like this. <laughs> you guys can't see me, but Coco is a little bit more outgoing. But um, in regards to brands, I think that since the eyewear market is there, there aren't a lot. People feel very competitive, and they don't ever want to work together. And that's actually why we were so pumped to even work with Zinni because they're they're more of a traditional brand, and we're a little bit more edgier. And yeah. the dope part is that we've even had mentors that didn't necessarily want to collaborate with us because I think that there's a level of fear and competition, you know, because yeah. again, the IRA industry can be a little weird like that. And so right. we were super pumped that Zinni, when I tell you, Zinni gave us free for all, allowed us to be our true selves and to use their big platform to like like, get our voices out there and to like truly even like get our vision out like there's no better way that we could have launched a kid's this kid's collaboration or a kid's product line it was a dream for us that's awesome what's been your experience with collaborations today you've done you've done several hershey's the list goes on um yeah has that been your experience first of all have you had free reign have there been more limitations and yeah has that been crucial to your strategy so I would say um, the way that Coco and I work, we never collaborate with a partner that we can't be ourselves with. Yep. But I can say in regards to our collaboration with Zinni, it was a, on a bigger scale of being a part of the process from production, from like the website, from the messaging. I mean, everything from start to finish, we actually, it was like a true collaboration of like yeah. us working together. A lot of the other collaborations, we were doing a lot of the work and um, on that side of things. But it was really, really awesome to be able to use, you know, Zinni's amazing graphic UX team that created our vision on this website. Because we 
don't necessarily have a team in place to create the vision of how the Planet CB website is. And so it was totally. really dope that we really got to um, work with them and the, the team as well. Like they, I'm not going to say they never said no, but they really allowed us to get our full 100% vision. They never like put they us in the box. They weren't afraid and they could have chose the route to be afraid because this was so new to them and so yep. different for them. But again, they saw the importance of what our vision was, and we just kind of went for the stars. Good for you. You mentioned the the rise of direct-to-consumer brands. Um, I know at one point, I don't know if it's still to this day, you were in hundreds of retailers, 400 plus. Is that yeah. still the we case? We still and growing. Yeah. So is that kind of the game plan? Direct-to-consumer is not where it's at for you guys. Yes, yes it, it is. is. We like oh, to be, it's, it's important to be omni-channel. Is it omni-channel? Yeah. Something like that. Totally. Multi-channel, omni-channel. Channel. <laughs> you got it. Crazy words. Yeah, <laughs> whatever the buzzword is, it's important to be that <laughs> for Multiple us. channels for us. For yes. our, it's actually pretty cool. Like, um, for 2021, in regards to our sales channels, we are expanding. Um, so our step one was to be in optical shops. The yep. consumer that buys in the optical shop is a little bit different than our consumer who buys D2C. And okay. for 2021, we are going to expand our experience in regards to our DDC website. We're adding uh, Tryon. We're adding nice. on a technology for people to actually, you know, put in their prescription. So it'll make it a lot easier for them to shop. Nice. And then yep. third, I can't say any names, but we will be launching in a really big department store. For 2021. Great. Did you guys, was that a hurdle during the pandemic? The We just hear, you know, with wholesale uh, partners, I guess physical retail closed down um, for for many months this year. Um, yeah. How did that impact the business? So it was a hurdle because in regards to, and again, that's why it's awesome to have multi-channels. We really focus yeah. on our D2C. But what the hurdle was is that our production, you know, we ordered production in time for to get to the, our stores, but it kind of worked itself out because our production slowed down because of the pandemic. And yeah. so since the stores are closed down, it was almost okay that our production was on hold for a little bit. Yep. That makes sense to me. Talk to me. Let's dig in. What went down with uh, Buy Black Friday? Was that an awesome experience? Was that one of the the, I guess, top opportunities you had this year? How would you describe it? It was a really cool experience. Um, Facebook has been really cool partners for us. We've been doing a lot of cool initiatives during this time with Facebook and Instagram recently. Yep. The Buy Black Friday was a really awesome idea. They had some amazing music performance mm -hmm. performances. We spoke cool. about our company. There were thousands of people watching. Yeah. And yep. so, yeah, it drove a lot of traffic to our website. And I think that was really cool that um, Facebook gave that platform to so many amazing entrepreneurs. But I, would, I wouldn't say that was like our number one yeah. thing that we did. Our number one, I'm not going to keep trying to plug Zinni, but I promise you, everyone knows how <laughs> passionate we were. That was probably our number one. Like Between Zinni and we also put out two songs that I mean. are doing really well right now. Those th were our top three Project yeah. for projects 2020. for 2020 that we're really proud of. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Are people like, what's up with? <laughs> I'm going to act like I know anything about music. Taylor's releasing a lot. Do you release music during the pandemic? And that's like a thing. <laughs> you know what's that? Some people in the beginning 
no one wanted to release music because it was challenging. Yeah. Everyone was like, why am I going to release music when like there's so much stuff going on in the world? Yep. And then um, later on, we realized that the importance, like, the importance of putting music out during these times nice. because people need yeah. music for healing. And as an artist, you're, you have more time on your hands. Like no one's on tour right now. Yep. So you have all the time in the world to just stay in the studio and keep creating amazing music. Yes. Did you feel creatively inspired or is was it hard to kind of get there? In the beginning, it was a little hard to get there because we were so used to traveling all the time. Yeah. And so being at home for us was such a a mind like it was a it was a roller coaster. I'm like, what do we do? Do we just sit at home? Like we <laughs> sat in front of our TV and didn't turn the TV on for like three like three weeks because we, we didn't know how we didn't know what to do. Like, what do you do at home? You know, like <laughs> we also weren't used to working from home either. I think so. When we first started our company, we worked from home like for like five years in our living oh, room. Oh, perfect. And yep. so when we got our first office, we were like, we made a promise that we won't take work home because we didn't know how to balance working from home and being home. We would just like wake up, work, go to sleep, work. And so yep. once the pandemic hit, it was actually challenging for us to find a way to work from home because we, we removed ourselves from working yes. from home, from being traumatized for so many years of waking <laughs> up with our computers on our laps. <laughs> we love it now. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, I relate to this. Tell me about your uh, your influencer collaborations. I know you're doing a lot with UGG these days. What You talked about what makes sense for, I guess, a brand collaboration. Uh, what makes sense in terms of, yeah, uh, working as an influencer? Yeah. So in the past like week, we've done um, brand partnerships with Timberland, UGG, Pandora, Puma, to name a few. And then transition lenses. And transition, yeah, transition lenses. And again, nice. for us, when we are, you know, choosing if you want to say yes or no, it's really about what the mes- messaging is behind the project and how much yeah. of our voice we can use. And for the most part, when brands are reaching out to Coco and I to partner with them, they 99.9% of the times, you know, want us to be ourselves. Because for nice. us, we don't have like... We have, I mean, like 156,000 followers, which isn't a lot compared to someone who might have like 2.5 million. But what we do have is authenticity. We have yes. a, a culture of people that really like respect what we actually and truly trust. love and they trust us yes. as well. And so we just don't, we don't take it too seriously. We just like be ourselves. You know what I'm saying? I think that a lot of times totally. some people can take influencer work when I say this, let me correct myself. I take everything seriously because right. I'm very passionate. But when I say don't take it too seriously, don't take it so seriously where you start to lose yourself. Yeah. You know, when you're doing these partnerships, the whole point is to like to use these other platforms to be yourself and tell another part of your, of your story through their platforms and through their product. Yes. Oh, talk to me. When you talk platforms, I immediately think of your omni-channel strategy. Are you on TikTok now? Um, and yeah, I would think with your younger audience, that would make sense. So we're on TikTok, but I feel like we haven't like given it as we haven't given it as much energy. Cause again, we're yeah. so busy, but we're, we're we love doing dance videos. <laughs> Oh, fun. <laughs> We've been using Instagram Reels a lot. You know what it is? We need to start building our TikTok channel. It's just that 
we need to build it because Instagram Reels is like, it's like almost the same. We also have a trailer account as well, which is quite similar. So we're trying to, you know, we're trying to figure out all three of them. But when you ask, how do we split our time? Sometimes TikTok doesn't make it on the to-do list. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that makes sense. (laughs) How are you doing this? Um, No, but talk to me. What's working to acquire customers now? What's working for us to acquire customers? One, of course, all the influencers that are wearing our product. But two, a lot of the press that we've been getting, I see that organic press drives people to our website. And I think that, again, we haven't really put any money into digital marketing. It's all been organic. But I think the organic word of mouth has been like the number one thing for us. And I'm I'm super stoked about it. And And again, us doing all these partnerships and collaborations together, because anything we do, it's it's never it's always strategic. It has to still tell our story. For sure. You mentioned kind of it can't be a trend for in terms of brands and partners wanting to sync up with a black founder, a black owned brand. Um, what is it going to take? Because we we know that there's the 15 percent pledge and there's pull up or shut up and there's more. There's the demand for transparency. But where do you what do you see happening in 2021 for for this to continue? Um, the way I see it is for, again, for brands to actually be about that life. Yeah. I'll give you an example. There's a brand that reached out to us. I'm not going to say any names, but they re- reached out to us in stress, um, during the whole George Floyd situation. Yep. She, they, she was like, oh my gosh, you know, we want to work with more black talent. We want to bring you guys on. And they, there's like this, this position and for their company because on their social media, they showed nothing but non-black people and just only white people yeah. on, their, on their social media, no black or brown people, you know, and they yeah. wanted to bring us in as, and have like a longer partnership with them and stress, you know, freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> and then, right. and then months later, Crickets. silence. Oh, and that, nice. happened, that actually happened a couple of times. A few people were stressed. Yes. <laughs> They're scrambling. We got to do something. Yeah. Here. And so, and the thing is, I understand it takes time. I think that like I, I I do have empathy in the fact that like it does take time. You can't rush, you know. You can't rush it, but yeah. I do think that people just need to like step out the box from their comfort zones a little bit and do some more hard work. And that's all yeah. I want to make sure people know, even for our Zenny collaboration, that like we were we've been in conversation for over a year and some change. So it, nice. we did this before everyone was saying like, oh, you guys need to work with more black talent or black owned companies or whatever like this was super organic and authentic and we actually shifted our business model and like marketing voice to reflect what was going on in the world because originally our campaign was about stop bullying and it was about other things like that and we were like hold on kids are going to be home there's like this human rights issue how do we also make sure that we're sharing a real message you know i think that's a big part for us is that we have to share the real message and i think that companies right now they just have to take their time out and like do the work work. yes as you were talking about um you were able to pivot and speak to something so timely and important do you worry you're a smaller team of seven as you grow and you have these new opportunities and you're in an accelerator you're gonna be growing (laughs) like it or not anyway um will you always be nimble how will you be able to um yeah ensure that that flexibility and that yeah, nimbleness. Yeah, so I, well, our company culture, I believe we have a, a pretty tight knit 
company culture from anyone that is on our team in regards to our eyewear company yeah. and anyone that is on our team in regards to our music and on the influencer side, everyone knows what Coco and I stand for. And they, we kind of teach them our voice and they fight for the things that we, because if you're, if you're on our team, you have to fight for the things that we're fighting for as well. Yep. And just be on the same page. So I, I think continuing to be true to ourselves. And I also think that um, we give everyone the open space to use their voices. Mm-hmm. We always have this okay. rule, especially within our own company culture, that like you might be the bookkeeper, but if you have a really good idea on the social media side, you're never silenced. And so nice. we give everyone the voice to speak up about anything. And I think that's what's going to keep us driving and keeping the ship going as we scale and grow. Yes. Do you? How do you go about uh, making a plan for 2021? Do you guys have, um, yeah, goals and priorities set? Is it a little too up in the air right now to do, to to do that? Um, to be, I'm gonna be honest with you. We have we kind of have goals and plans and intentions and things yeah. I want to manifest. But it's important during these times to be flexible because again. Things are shifting every single day. Mm-hmm. And so we, we have outcome goals that we, where we want to go. We have a very good idea on that, but how mm-hmm. to get there. We have to understand that we have to be flexible with the times that we're living in right now. So we can't have a goal to be like, we want to have a pop-up shop in three months and then things aren't open yet. And so yep. again, we, we know the bigger goals, but in, in regards to how to get there, we're giving ourselves the space to be flexible. And to kind of like go with whatever the times are. Right on. Last question. What would you guys say? Um, a lot has happened this year um, and your your business has been changed forever. What was the biggest, I guess, learning, the biggest takeaway from 2020 that you're going to take with you? Um, my biggest takeaway is to make sure that we all, us and our team and everyone around us is keeping their mental health up to par yeah. mm-hmm. only because with this big shift that's going on in the world, like we just have to make sure we stay happy. And then remember yeah. that like today's a new day and tomorrow's a new day. And if we keep that same quote going in our minds, we'll have some beautiful days every day. But I think that it's so important for us to be sure that we're like, we're doing anything and everything, even if you have to stop what you're doing to be sure that you're in the right mental space. Because for us, success is important, but there's nothing more important than my personal happiness. Yep. Does that require you're checking in with your team more? What does that require? Yeah. So we as leaders, if someone's not feeling good or if they're having an off day, we're really flexible with telling them just whatever you have to do, go do that. Because I think a lot of times when you try to push yourself, you actually become um, unproductive unproductive, and you burn yourself out. And that's a disservice to yourself and everyone on the team. And so we're just very flexible with even if a team member may not feel comfortable talking about it, but giving them the space to say, hey, if you need to take a day off or a week off, do what you have to do. Because, again, we're in uncertain times right now and everyone's personal happiness is way more important than us growing this big company because there's not going to be any big company if people aren't happy. Ooh, I like to end it on that note. Great point. You guys, this was such a great conversation. Thank you both for being here. Thank Thank you for having us. That's all for this episode, which was produced by Pierre Bienname. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. 
Be sure to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to The Glossy Podcast. See you next week.